Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. The Lord woke me up with something this morning, so I'm going to start with this. These are our Easter invite cards. The, the end of empty. The end of empty. The tagline on the end of empty is the empty tomb means that you don't have to be empty anymore. I need somebody to get excited in this place. We just sang about it. Y'all can do better than that. I need someone to get excited that the tomb is empty so you don't have to be. Come on, somebody. Let's go. Come on. I'm glad that three people are excited in Jesus' name. Look, this is why I'm showing it to you, not to just get you a pep rally. That's not really what this is about. The end of empty. These are, these are just little business cards, and I know a bunch of y'all have gotten them before. And I was not planning on saying this, so here you go. This is from the Lord to you, and then I'm going to preach a message that's hopefully from the Lord to you as well. We're going to give these out, but instead of just giving y'all these cards out at the end of the service, I want y'all to pray sincerely and begin to write down names that you can talk to, that you can invite people to Easter. I don't know if it's a neighbor. I don't know if it's a family member that you've been praying for for a long time. I don't know if it's someone at the ball game that you see every single week. And you're like, I want to invite her, but I don't really know her that well. People will come, especially on Easter. We have four opportunities, 5 p.m. Saturday night, our regular two times, plus an 8.30 on Sunday morning. We have four services. We're going to have over 1,000 people at our worship Easter experiences. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ellen agrees with me. Thank you, Ellen, and a couple other people. We're going to have over 1,000 people. But listen, this is the important thing. And this is what the Lord shared with me, not to pull out a card and just tell you all that. And I'm telling you, it was, it was surreal. 6 a.m., I was wide awake, and he said to me, what would you do if you knew that you could just speak and hand somebody a card and someone who was facing imminent death would then have life? What would you be willing to do? And I was thinking to myself, well, I'd do just about anything. I mean, I would stop traffic. I would dance in the street. I would do whatever you... I would do just about anything if I thought that I could stop someone's imminent death. And he said to me, well, tell them to pass out the cards because they may not be facing, humanly speaking, they may not be facing this kind of death, but spiritual death is all around us. And I'm telling you, people are getting saved this Easter. People are getting saved by the dozens this Easter at this church, and we're going to see lives change. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking each one of you, not the pastor, I will do it with you. I'm going to run out of cards, but I want y'all to do it with me because we are going to see God do an incredible move, and we're going to see the culture begin to shift, and I believe in the next couple weeks leading up to it, and then on Easter weekend, God is going to do some incredible things. If you don't participate, I'm not going to know. I'm not going to take attendance. I'm not going to know how many cards you pass out. We're not taking bets. We're not seeing what's going on. I'm asking you to ask the Lord, who would you have me give these to? Because I really believe that God's going to do something incredible in your life through this and in the lives of the people that you live, work, and play with through this. Is everybody with me in here? Awesome, awesome. And, and here's what he told me. 
Shameless segue. It really is a matter of life and death. There you go. You're welcome. It really is a matter of life and death. And I believe that. And so this is the fourth week of our series on the power of the tongue. And I want to start it with, some, with two verses before the verse that we're pulling everything from because I find this verse so fascinating. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19 says, A brother offended. If you're a lady in the room, I need you to know that that means sister as well. So don't be offended because then you're like, you see what I did? All right. A brother offended is more unyielding than a fortified or strong city. Can we stop right there? A person that is offended is more unyielding. More unwilling to, be, to let someone in. More unwilling to forgive. More unwilling to, to see a breakthrough happen in their life than a strong city. How many of y'all have watched Lord of the Rings? Let me see your hands. Lord of the Rings fans? Okay, so half of you. If you haven't, it's okay. It's just the greatest movie of all time. Don't watch it. But listen, in the second one, in the second one, it's called the Two Towers or... I called it the Twin Towers because it makes more sense. There's this city called Helm's Deep, and it's where the, the people go, and it's literally in the side of a mountain. And, and the king says, there is literally no way you can break through this because it's a fortified city. There is no possible way you can break through our armor. We have this working force. We have the mountain working force. We have all these things. Listen, Solomon, when he's telling us this, says a person that is offended is stronger than, than that picture of a fortified city. I need you to not just picture Reedville and say, well, that's not really a very strong city. That's fine. You, 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 can, you can believe Spartanburg, Greenville, whatever city. You, that's, that's not the city it's talking about. It's talking about a castle. It's talking about a place that you can't go through. And then he says, and quarreling is like the bars of that castle, the bars of that fortified city. And some of us walked in here today, and we have been through a lot of quarreling this week. Can anybody say amen in this play? Because we're human, right? Because we have lives, because it's difficult. And no one is thinking while you're going through your struggles, while you're facing difficulties, while someone has offended you, no one's thinking the power of life and death is in the tongue. <laughs> Jesus' name, I'm going to tell you off, but I, we don't think that way. We just think, I'm offended. This is what's crazy is the Bible calls my heart a heart of stone. I get hardened. And we can't recognize it when it's taking place in us. But if we could take a step back or we call it like the thousand foot view where we could look down on our lives, we would see ourselves as offended. So often we live offended lives. We live looking for offense. I'm telling you, if you want to be offended, give me a second and I will offend you today. All right. Look on social media for 30 seconds. Come on, somebody. Because it's offensive. Things are offensive. And you choose whether or not you'll be offended. No one has control. And I'm going to move on after I say this. No one has control of whether or not you'll be offended except for you. People are going to say stupid things. And only I get to decide if I'll let myself be offended. And do you know that everybody in the world knows when I'm offended except for me? I heard that was too loud. <laughs> too loud, Jesus' name. And then two verses later, the power of life and death. And then he says death first. So the power of death and life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so if you just stop there, it's kind of frustrating. But we've been breaking this down in this series, and I want y'all to know that the title of today's message is The Truth About Our Words. There's a truth behind our words. There's a truth about words in general. 
So in review, words are expressed ideas. They're the way that we express ourselves. They're the way we bring up the past. We, we declare, we say things that are ideas that pop up in our lives, and it reveals a lot about us. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your iPad, phone, whatever you use, Matthew chapter 12 is where we're going to pull from today. And, and I want you to see that the power of life and death is in your tongue, but it's pulled from something far deeper than that. Y'all look at this, either, verse 33, Either make the tree good and its fruit good or bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit. There's verses before that, but I need y'all to know something. The reason I started with that particular verse is the tree. Y'all got to get this. The tree, the tree is the heart. Everybody misses this point. We all try to fix it. Listen, we all try to fix things in our lives because we say, well, I need to stop cussing. Yes, that'd be awesome, especially if you're cussing at them. Please stop. But if you just, listen, if you just aim to fix the stop, if you just aim to fix the fill in the blank, whatever it is, you're not going to fix it because you'll fix it temporarily and say, why do I feel this way? Or, or this is even worse. If you're like me, you'll work on trying to fix something and you'll find that something else replaces it that sometimes is even worse. Is anybody here today? So the tree is the heart and the fruit, the fruit is the mouth. So watch this. He says, Jesus speaking here, he says, you brood vipers, how can you speak good? How can you try to have good tongues, speak good things, change how you speak when you're evil? For out of the abundance that is the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm not going to take long with this, but I need you to know something. The Lord's really convicted me in, I don't know how long, so let's just say recent days, that every time I say something that is offensive, listen, there's things that we're going to say that are offensive. I'm talking about purposefully being offensive with no hope for change. Every time that I say something just to be right, every time that I, that I curse somebody, whether it's a condemnation curse or bad language, every time that something happens in my life, my immediate thought is, stop. Bad you. And we never think, I wonder why my heart is sick. I wonder why I have a relationship problem with the Lord. I wonder where my relationship problem started. I wonder when I let something get in the way of the Lord in my relationship. Because out of the overflow of my heart, my mouth always speaks. I've said this many times. In meetings and in situations, if you ever want to find out where someone's heart is, put a little pressure on them. Because what's in there is going to come out. What's in there is going to come out. I'm going to get ahead of myself, so I'm going to keep going. Out of the overflow of my heart, my mouth speaks. The good person, and when we read that good, we think, I, I thought the Bible said no one is good. It, it, it's the heart that's been changed by the gospel. It's the heart that's been changed by Jesus. That person has good treasure, and it brings forth good. And the evil person that's never been changed, they aim to do good, but ultimately, evil treasure brings forth evil. And then he says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Why? Because it's a revelation or it reveals what is in my heart. And then this is a big, word, or this is a big verse, y'all. For by my words, I am justified, and by my words, I'm condemned. By your words, you're justified, and by your words, you're condemned. I, I let people know what is most valuable to me. In the church service, most of you would probably say, I love Jesus, 
Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Right? Y'all like, I'm not with it today. This is crazy. We would, we would declare that we're on the same team. We would declare that we're on the same page. But when I listen, when I hear you, when things are going, when you hear me, when, when we're going back and forth, when we're angry, when we're offended brothers and sisters, the last thing that people believe about us is that we're what we declare on Sunday morning. Because somewhere in our lives we have this relationship problem and we think that it's all fixed by showing up to church. I'm here to tell you I'm not your fix. But we sang about your fix just a minute ago. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. I'm not going to be fixed just because I think a little differently today. I'm going to be changed when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of my heart, when he changes my life, when I'm made new, and he's making all things new. He's not, listen, he's not making new things. He's making you new. And that's a change. That's what takes place in my life is when I let him come in and invade me. But by my words, I'm justified. And by my words, I'm condemned. And so I want to give you three points today. Three points about the truth about words. The first one is words cost. Words cost. Words cost. This is a big one. So I'm going to sit here for just a minute. Words cost. You know, this, the fascinating thing about the fact that words cost is it's not just bad that costs. Are y'all with me? If I speak life, if I declare things, if God gives me a prophetic word and I declare it out, some people think that I have lost my mind and they leave and go, that dude's crazy. It costs me influence even when I speak the truth. Listen, this is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did. This is fascinating. When Jesus was operating in his gift, which he could preach better than any human being has ever preached before. It's quiet in here, but that, that was a good time to say, I'm sure you're right, Pastor. We didn't hear him, but we read him, and I'm sure it was crazy good. He drew crowds by the tens of thousands, and everybody wanted him to do miracles. Everybody wanted, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, do this, do that. John chapter 6. John chapter 6, Jesus then declares with his mouth, this is what it looks like. This is the cost of being a disciple. And the Bible says many disciples left him and never returned. Many people followed. When I declare the truth of what it looks like, what it costs, when I start living out what he's put in, it costs. There is a cost, but there's another cost. When I speak death, well, bless God. They said something against me, and I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm telling them, I'm tell them what's what. We're going to tell them, <laughs> right? I mean, that's how, that's, is anybody here today? Are we alive? Amen. We're going to stick to the life part of life and death. Come on. Like, this is awkward. <laughs> when I tell somebody off, because most likely, I know there's some quiet people in the room, but most likely everybody in here has gotten to that point. If you're married in this room, y'all better say amen in this place. <laughs> I think this is the most frustrating thing about what it costs is in a moment, I could have built trust for 10 years and in a moment what I say can cost me trust. In one moment, I can cost trust. I think this is what's interesting about words cost, words cost. We live in a country where we have the freedom of Say it, say it together. We have the freedom of speech. speech, which means I can say anything and I am free. We, we say it's free speech. Lies. 
No word that you speak is free. And this is what's interesting is just because it's legal to do doesn't mean that we should do it. Let me give you some examples. I can go to Vegas right now, pick up a prostitute. It would not do well for my marriage. But it's, a, it's legal in Vegas. But it costs. It costs. It will cost you your marriage. Just because you do something that is free does not mean that it's a good idea. Just because you do something that is allowed does not mean <laughs> woo, that it's a good idea. And when I don't think through the things that I should think through, and when my heart is sick, listen, this is what costs us so often is I don't consider because my heart is sick. So I speak out of the abundance of my heart. I'm angry. I speak out of anger. I lash out. And all you have to do if you don't know what this looks like is get a social media account. Look at a politician that's doing something. It is the most divided thing. This church is divided in half. Republican and Democrat were very diverse and unique when it comes to the two different sides. I was blown a freaking way. Forgive that word if it costs me. Come on, somebody. But it's the truth. I was blown away by how angry people got at each other. I'm blown away. I love sports. I'm excited about today to watch the Gamecocks. It is not going to change my life. Okay. I'll cheer for them. If they lose, I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to do my job. There will be people that it costs relationships because they will say things. It is hilarious. We're watching 18 to 22-year-olds play basketball, and 50-year-old men will hate each other to the point that they never talk to each other again. I'm free to say whatever I want. Bless God, send the Geneva Convention. Sure as heck can. Like, <laughs> see, we got some Ricky Bobby fans in the room. <laughs> Jesus' name. Nothing is free except for the gift of salvation, but it still costs you. Still costs you. Because it costs you your way of life for his way. Listen, this is what really costs. This is what really costs. I always have to make the decision and count the cost if my words will have the power of life and death in them. And at the point that I begin to speak out of the overflow of what God is doing in my life, it will cost me influence with certain people. And if God is building the influence, it will cost me what I used to have. But there's always, 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 always a cost. We live in a society, especially in the Southeast, and I love it. I'm thankful where we live. But we live in a place that it's very common to be a Christian, but very uncommon to be a kingdom-minded follower of Jesus Christ. And it will cost you relationships. It will cost you influence with people that you used to have influence with. You cannot keep doing the same thing that you've always been doing, and it not cost you something. And your words cost, good or bad, no matter what. This is just a fact. Words cost. Number two. This is a big one. Words hurt. Words hurt. I'm just going to go straight to the verse on this because I'm going to feed off of this. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 18 and 19 in the New Living says, Just as, damaging, mad, just as a damaging madman who is shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I'm just playing. Just as damaging madman shooting a deadly weapon. Just as a, a crazy person that comes into a building. Listen, this is a crazy verse if you think about it. If someone came in here shooting, we would declare them dead 
or, or cra- hopefully dead, Jesus' name. We would declare that that person is crazy, that they're, they're just ambushing us, that, that that must be a terrorist act, it's an act of hate. We would go crazy and put up walls, but we lie to people all the time. Or we say this, we say this, I'm just playing. And it doesn't even have to be lies when it comes to this. Anytime that I'm joking, but I sneak a little truth in, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. We can think of things in our lives that were spoken over us. I bet every person in the room can remember something that was spoken over them that hurt them. It doesn't matter if you're joking. It doesn't matter what we're doing. It hurts. But when, listen, this is big, this is big. When my heart is wounded, I don't consider your heart. I consider what you've done to my heart And I try to get you back in revenge. Words hurt because we live in an unforgiving place. We are willing to forgive public figures, but we still hold it against them. But when it comes to someone that hurts us individually, if if, it's something that's happened to me personally, if it's something that happened on TV, I don't really care. We'll forgive them. But if you did something to me personally, then I want to hurt you because you hurt me. And, And it comes from a place of a relationship problem. Listen, Here's your relationship problem. It's not the relationship with the person. It's the relationship with the Lord. That is why my heart is so hurt. And that is why out of the overflow of my heart, I speak death. Words hurt. I play for keeps sometimes, y'all. I've caught myself saying things. And you know what I say? I didn't really say it. I didn't really. What is it? Don't we say that? Can I tell you something? This is going to stink for some people. Mainly me, maybe. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I've really tried to stop saying that to Leah. Because what I've realized is the true response that I should have is I'm speaking from a sick heart. It's no excuse, but I meant what I said. Because I became like a madman who was shooting up the room. And then I say, I'm only playing. Y'all, if someone came in here right now with an automatic weapon and then said they were playing, (laughs) there's no, like, we would have responses that are very extreme, but none of them would be laughter. Is anybody here today? But we take our words so lightly because we don't realize that it costs us and that they hurt. We want to have the authority that God's given us because I'm telling you, y'all, I'm telling you, God has given you the keys to the kingdom and the ability to speak down. God told us through Jesus that we could look at a mountain if we have the faith of a mustard seed and speak to it and say, move, and it will go into the ocean. I do not think he's playing. I don't know what mountain you need to move in your life, but I don't think he's playing around. Here's why I think it doesn't happen. Because we use our words for our kingdom. We use our words for our power. We use our words out of the hurt of our heart, and the abundance that's coming out is no good. It's killing everybody around us. You can fix little things in your life, but if you just go for the fruit and you don't go for the tree, then it will never, ever, 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 ever change. You can't just change your behavior. God's got to get a hold of your heart. And the reason that we hurt people is because we're hurt. If you have the, the opportunity to offend me at any moment in my life, then I've let you offend me. I've let you. I'm not going to stay here long, but I've got to say this. It blows me away how often, especially when I'm gone for a couple days, 
when I get back, I deal with offense. Just, just offense after offense after offense after offense. And then people start speaking death. And my immediate reaction is to fix it. But yesterday I was dealing with something. And the Lord said to me, what about their heart? And I was like, I'm about to preach a message on that, but I'm not even listening to my own message. Because it is a heart problem. It is a relationship problem. And I never take an inventory of my own life. I immediately want to react and fix. Whenever you try to fix your spouse, you'll eventually try to, you'll eventually hurt your spouse and it will cost you. Whenever you try to fix your boss, it will eventually hurt your boss because you weren't called to fix them. You were called to minister to them as, a, as a, an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And it will eventually cost you the ability to have influence in their life. It will eventually cost you your job. It will eventually cost you a relationship. And it will hurt you just like it hurts them. Because I need you to know, sometimes we used to tell our children, this hurts me more than it hurts you. I've never told my kids that because I haven't found that to be true yet. <laughs> but words really do hurt you worse than it hurts them because it costs you everything and it condemns them. And then this is the big one that ties it all together is that they last. Words last. I need y'all's response and help with what I'm about to do. We're going to do some presidents. And I need y'all to finish the statement of the President George H.W. Bush. Read my lips, no new taxes. Come on, y'all. Read my lips, no new taxes. taxes. Young people, he was a president. <laughs> Two before W. And then Bill Clinton was in between them. You're welcome. <laughs> Leah hates my Bill Clinton, so I... I do it often because words hurt Jesus' name. <laughs> and he's standing before the judicial committee, and he says, I did not have sexual relations. Words last. Listen, we know that about them. That was their defining moment. George H.W. Bush lost the next election because he said no new taxes and he raised taxes. It lasted to the four years that he was done, no matter what he did. It didn't matter if the economy was the greatest it's ever been. He was done because he went against his word, because they last. And your legacy is tied to what you say, and it's tied to where your heart is. And people will always remember me for what, I, listen, this is crazy for what I say, but probably not from this stage. Probably as I'm living my life, probably as I'm going through pressure, probably as I'm going through the most difficult thing that I've ever gone through and a camera's in front of me or something's taking place and I say, blah, whatever comes out. If it's life that's coming out, people will say, I wonder how he's speaking that way. That's the moment that I can look at them and say, if I'm operating in my gift, it's easy for me to say certain things. But if I'm operating not in my gift, but in my hurt, in my dark places, in the places where people are coming against me, but I can still speak life. Well, then that's the game changer. That's when everything changes. That's when people lean in and say, I don't know what you've got, but I want something that you have. Everybody's remembered by their words. You can, you can read the Emancipation Proclamation, and we remember the words of Abraham Lincoln. We remember the words, but we remember the words of Bible heroes. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The Lord.
that is inspired by the Holy Spirit, but that was said by a man. And they last and they last. And this is the deal. We love to celebrate the good ones. But I will be remembered for one or the other. And it will not be when I'm just having fun. It will be most likely when the storm comes. It will be most likely when the difficulty comes. It will be most likely when I don't know what to do and I feel like throwing my hands up. Then those words cost. And they count. And they hurt. And they last. But I love how they last in a good way. And I want y'all to see it. This is... Paul writing to Timothy, this is toward the end of his life, his predecessor, the person that would follow behind him. He was a young kid. He was an outcast. And I love what Paul says here. He said, I thank God, 1 Timothy chapter 2, I thank God whom I serve as did the people before me with a clear conscience. He says, as I remember, everybody say remember. Remember. Say it again, say remember. Remember. It's not the word that you think. This is crazy. He says, as I remember constantly in my prayers, Night and day. The word for remember, the best way to describe this word is a, is a tombstone, a grave marker that is called in remembrance of the person that lived. And I need y'all to know that we don't put gravestones just to mark where they're, where they're lying. We put them down to remember their life. Are y'all with me? Yeah. That's why we put them down. That's, that's what we are calling the remembrance of what they did. You never see on a tombstone, hopefully, you you rarely see on a tombstone anything bad. Husband, father, loved such and such, did this. Because we are remembering. That is the same type word, but it's deeper than that even. In this remembrance, what we do when our words last is we put something before the Lord. And God doesn't walk places that we walk Because he sits on his throne in heaven. But it's laying before him these tombstones saying, God, my son is far from you. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. But I'm laying before you his life and I'm remembering him. I'm remembering him because I need you to know that you didn't get to the place that you are because you just showed up one day and God had a rescuing of your life. Somebody was remembering you in the process. I am not just a product of one good message. I'm the product of people who remembered me in prayers. My grandparents, their parents before them. My parents, while my mama was pregnant, that were praying for me. People in my life that prayed for me when I was an idiot. Some of y'all said was. Like, in these difficult days and all the things that took place, somebody remembered me. It was not just my dream to start this church. Somebody had a dream. Somebody remembered. Somebody laid it before God and God said, I see that prayer and somebody's praying for you today. I need you to know that what lasts in my life It's not how good I perform, but the things that I call in remembrance before God. It's the things that that as I'm laying in bed reading this, this awesome Bible that we have with my kids, and I'm too tired and I don't feel like doing it, but we call in remembrance to the Lord, their their husband for Laney and their wife for Haston and and what's going to take place in their children and their children's children. I'm calling in remembrance because I know that I'm going somewhere and I'll be in heaven. But my word will last because his word is in me and his word never changes. And it's the same yesterday, today and forever. And it's new every morning and great is his faithfulness. And I know that his word lasts because it permeates out and goes and goes and goes. 
Psalm 139 said, his word goes before me and behind me and his hand is on my head. It is never changing. It is faithful. He, he lasts forever. He's the alpha and the omega. He is the word that became flesh and lived among us. Your words cost. And they hurt. And they last. But it's a good thing when they last for the kingdom. And that is the only thing that we're going to be truly remembered by. Then he said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois. I love this so much, y'all. And your mother Eunice. And now... I'm sure, dwells in you as well. Can I tell y'all something? I don't know much about Eunice and Lois. And I bet they were unsung heroes that no one knew their name. Paul, being as close as he was, would have known them. But I bet they didn't have a stage. Listen to me. I bet they didn't have a stage and I bet they didn't have the spotlight. And I bet what they did wasn't sexy and glamorous for the kingdom of God. Here's what Paul's declaring. When you call in remembrance, your duty in the kingdom may not be to be famous, but Jesus said whoever's first is last in the kingdom. This is for somebody in the room. You've wondered why you've been through so so much torment. You've wondered why you've been through so much pain. You've wondered why God let you go through this journey over and over, up and down. How could it possibly be? And he's asking you to face that because he can trust you with it. And so you can call into remembrance the ones that have gone before you and then the ones that are after you. He's he's calling your children's children. He's asking you to be faithful with the little things so that your children's children can be have a spotlight on them and declare the kingdom of God on them. I'm here to tell you that I'm not just a product of thinking right things. I'm a product of people who believed and trusted the Lord and brought it before him. I did not just show up with a good idea. I have a Eunice and a Lois multiple in my life and I'm so grateful for that don't you ever let anybody tell you that you're not making a difference for the kingdom of God if you're laying down prayers before God your, your prayers last they last forever and God is making a difference in your life we have to stop believing what we see is the ultimate outcome of who we are you are not You are not, you are not the product of your circumstances. You are not the equation and the full picture of what you see. You are exactly what God says you are. So you remember those things and you call them out because they last. God never forgets a prayer. Just because you didn't see it answered today doesn't mean the answer's not yes and he's already answered it. He just hasn't brought it before you yet. God doesn't work in our time. God doesn't work in our ways. It's much higher, it's much greater, and he will do it exactly when he needs to do it. And they last, and they last. And some of us will die not seeing our prayers answered like Hebrews 12 says, but the crown of life and glory is before me and he will be faithful to answer those even if I'm not here on this planet to see them done. I feel like I've got a little preach in me right now so I've got to finish this, but I need y'all to know something. Moses never stepped into the promised land. But he went up on the mountain. He saw the promised land. And the person who he put before God in remembrance, 
His predecessor, Joshua, stepped into the promised land. Moses laid the path for Joshua to step in. Some of you, that is your destiny in your life. What an amazing destiny. If that is my plan, if that is what God has called me to do so that Haston and Laney and your children can take this church and take it to the place that changes this entire community, then so be it, God. Let me be faithful with laying the path. If this is not the promised land man, then let me be faithful with getting it ready so we can hand the keys off. We can go be faithful before for him as for me and my house we will serve the Lord because my words will last and if I am sick they will last for a lifetime in the way that I did not want them to but I refuse to be defined by that I will be defined as a kingdom man and I believe that there's some kingdom men and women in here that are going to step to the plate and say you cannot offend me because I've been freed from offense And I will be about the gospel of Jesus I'm not ashamed of him for the power of Christ is in me to preach the good news to the Jew and to the Greek. Because by my words, I'm justified. And by my words, I'm condemned. This is how I want to close. When I found this this week, I ran a lap around this church, so I don't know if it's going to go as well as it went for me this week. But I want somebody to get excited with me because this is the coolest thing. I've I've used this verse, y'all, I bet a hundred times or more while preaching. It says, but if you confess with your words, with your mouth, remember out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks at the point that it's coming out of my mouth. It's what I'm believing in this case. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I've used it. I've used it. I've used it. This is wrong. It's not 17. Romans 10, 9. I want y'all to see something. This is the coolest thing. If you confess with your mouth, the word confess, and I've never known this before, the word confess does not just mean that I say something. The word confess means to declare in full agreement, to fully align and endorse. Now listen, this is big. If you confess, if I fully align with what the Lord has said, if I fully align with the Holy Spirit of God, me to him, If I'm in full agreement with him and I speak it in that tone, in that context, in that way, with full alignment, with full agreement, if you confess that Jesus is Lord. Here's what I believe the problem is, y'all. I believe some of you walked in here today and you knew about God and you've never confessed. I believe many others have known all about God and you said a prayer when you were eight years old. And you've walked away and you've never returned. And you're here today and you say, I don't know why my life is full of hell and and frustration and condemnation all around me. This is why. You didn't really come into full agreement. You came into full, I want to not go to hell. But life didn't come to your house because you chose to still have agreement with your way of life. This is me declaring my way of life is over. I'm declaring that it costs me what I used to be. I'm declaring that it will hurt some because they won't understand. But I'm declaring that it lasts forever because in Jesus' name, I'm his. I'm no longer mine. I was bought with a price. I will walk away and walk into freedom. And in Jesus' name, I'm alive in him. I believe tens of millions of people will step into churches today that have never come into full agreement and confess with their mouth. And here's how I know, because they never believed in their heart fully that he is Lord. Because out of the overflow of my heart, my mouth speaks. And the last thing that I ever want to do is 
and I'm not cussing when I'm saying this, please understand my words. I don't want to scare the hell out of you so that you get saved. I want you to understand that this is much more than just not going to hell and going to heaven and praise God that that is our destiny in Jesus. But he wants you to have life. He wants you to have hope. He wants you to live abundantly. And that is not necessarily what we believe that it is because it's his plan, not my plan. I live the fullest life, not necessarily when my house is better, not necessarily when my car is better, but absolutely when it's his way and not mine. I want that fullest life for each one of you. And I want us to walk out of here differently than we walked in. The only way that that can happen is if I confess with full agreement that he's Lord. And then believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I am saved, I'm set free, and I'm walking in victory and freedom in Jesus' name. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? In this room, I just wonder how many of y'all would say, Pastor Mark, the truth is I've never done that. Let me tell you why I don't need to manipulate you. If I have to manipulate you, then you're not ready to truly confess in full alignment that Jesus is your Lord. If that is you, and you know that that is what you need to do in your life. You may have done it when you were a kid. You may have never done it at all, but God is pulling you that you might have life in his name, that you believe he's the resurrected king who's resurrecting you, and that you want to make him Lord of your life and confess it with full agreement today. I just want you to throw your hand up and say, that's me. I believe in this room there's lots of people. I don't know if anybody will be bold enough, and if you're not, so be it. I love you, but so be it. I wonder if there's anybody who would say, I need to fully align with Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. I believe he is who he says he is, and I give him my life right now. Is there anybody in here that would say, that's me? That's me, Pastor. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Keep your hands up. Thank you. Thank you. I believe the moment that you slipped your hands up and the moment that you declare it with your mouth, you're saved. It is not about a prayer. It is a declaration to God. I want you to walk back to our prayer wall, if you will, and let us help you take your next steps. I wonder if anybody in here would celebrate with me what God has done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing one of my favorite songs right now. And I'm just going to ask y'all to just let it loose. I believe that we have a room full of a lot of saved people. Let's, let's do things that last. And let's start by just letting loose to the king right now how we worship him. He's not impressed with dancing. So we don't do it for the dancing. We do it for the reckless abandonment to the king. And I just wonder if y'all will do that. Jesus, we do all these things because we love you and you are who you say you are. We line up our hearts with yours because yours is better. Yours is greater and you make me better than I am. I cannot do this without you and so I'm so thankful for you, Jesus. And now we call you Lord because that's who you are. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Will y'all stand?